Would you pray with me? Father, we do ask that you give us your Holy Spirit this morning to open and speak your word to us, that we may understand it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to know what your favorite Christmas movie is. And just like Jonathan did a couple of weeks ago, go ahead and type that in the chat room right now. Now, I love Christmas movies, even if I object when Rachel says it, it's because I am a hopeless romantic. <laughs> but when I think about it, most Christmas movies have some related themes. The idea of home, the recovery of family, finding true love, rediscovering purpose, and the joy that comes when we find these things. Now, look at at the chat room for a moment and think about the movies you're seeing come in there and their themes. Home Alone, right? Famous Christmas movie from the 80s is really about parents desperately trying to get home to a boy that they ignored and forgot to bring along on their family trip. Die Hard. It is, I know, a movie that happens at Christmas, not necessarily about Christmas. But in it, John McClane is trying to recapture and revive his broken marriage. Christmas Chronicles, a boy rediscovers happiness after his father dies. And George Bailey, famous George Bailey, finds hope and rediscovers purpose as Clarence shows him what the world looks like without him in It's a Wonderful Life. All the best Christmas movies cover similar themes because art imitates life. These themes, our lives, are all intertwined with an innate God-given desire to be home, to be a part of a family, to know true love, and to be full of joy and happiness. Man, when I listen to it, I am a hopeless romantic. And you know what? I think it's a good thing. Because these longings are not some sort of personality quirk to be beaten out of us, some sort of weakness or sensitivity to be suppressed, but instead they are actually a path for us to follow. And it's this very path that Jesus leads us on today in a new, unique story found only in Luke's gospel. It is the story of 12-year-old Jesus. And it's the only story in the entire Bible between the time of Jesus' birth and the beginning of his public ministry. And in it, we learn, we find the central reality of the incarnation of Jesus. He comes so that we can know the Father, so that you can be part of a family, so that you can know true love, so that you can join him in perfect purpose for which you've been created. The Son of God, Jesus, wants to reveal his Father to you and to make him your Father. The story begins with Jesus traveling with his family to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, where Jesus' parents went every year. And now that Jesus is 12, it would seem that as he's becoming a young man, Jesus has joined them on the pilgrimage as would be required by the law. Now, 
Just a side note here. We see a life of discipleship emerging for Jesus like that outlined in Deuteronomy 6, where parents are to teach God's words and God's ways to their children. Or as it's written in Proverbs, to train up a child in the way that he or she should go. This is what Jesus' parents are doing with him. They are teaching him and training him God's words and God's ways. So Jesus, he's coming of age. And they went up as a family to the feast. Now, what happens next should be a comfort to all you parents out there who have ever lost or left your child somewhere. You know it happens. Mom thinks the dad has the kid. Dad thinks the mom has the kid, only to realize that the kid is sitting by the front door strapped in their car seat. Or you go to get in your car at Walmart, only to realize that your kid is playing with cars in the toy section. Or you're home preparing dinner, and you realize that your daughter is sitting by the soccer field waiting for you to pick her up. It happens. And when it does, you just go back and get the kid. It's going to be all right. Now, Mary and Joseph, they aren't bad parents. Because pilgrims uh, on this journey would travel to and from Jerusalem in large groups for protection. Women and small children in the front, men and older boys or young men in the back. And it's easy to see how they might have missed Jesus. Since as a 12-year-old, he could have fit either in with the moms and the older children or with the dads and the younger men. Jesus, he's growing up. And we see how his identity here is developing. That's clear when they find Jesus in the temple. They've returned and after three days, a day out, a day back, they've returned and they found Jesus sitting among the teachers, among the rabbis himself engaged with the spiritual and theological discussions of the day. And Luke writes that he was listening to them and asking them questions. And his knowledge, his answers, his understanding, his ability to follow along amazed the teachers. Now the person it didn't seem to completely amaze at the moment was his mom. Mary was both frustrated there in verse 48. Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. She is somewhat upset. And yet, she's observing something quite incredible. So much so that at the end of Luke, uh, at the end of this passage, Luke writes that she treasured all of these things in her heart. You know the feelings, moms and dads, especially if you parented through early adolescence or adolescence at all. One minute, your son or daughter is a hot mess of hormones and awkwardness, explaining how their 12 years of life experience is far superior to your 40, or insisting how Ariana Grande is the pinnacle of musical art. And then seemingly out of the blue, and often only for a moment, you get a glimpse of an adult emerging from them, of the adult that they are becoming. It's a moment of clarity, a moment of hope. Perhaps it's a specific response or thought or emotion 
or action, and you think, oh, there's a beautiful thing, a right thing. That's who my child is going to be. How wonderful. And this is one of those moments in Jesus' life. And I think it's why Luke includes it for us. Jesus is not only developing as a human, but he gives us a glimpse of who he is as the Son of God and who he's becoming as the Savior. And his response to Mary's question reveals this reality. Verse 49. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? This one sentence is the most important in this passage for two reasons. When Jesus says, I must be in my Father's house, he's not only differentiating himself from Mary and Joseph, which is developmentally appropriate for a 12-year-old. I mean, parents raise kids to launch on their own as adults. Christian parents are to disciple their kids so that they believe in Jesus and follow Jesus on their own. But he is also differentiating himself from the whole world in a really important way for him and for us. Notice this. Mary says, your father and I have been searching. And she means Joseph. And Jesus' response is this. He's not being cheeky here. But he goes, didn't you know? I mean, after the angel told you all those things, all the things that you've experienced, all the things that happened early in my life, you should have expected it, that I must be in my father's house. See, the first thing Jesus says in the entire Bible is a bold proclamation that he is the son of God. He alone calls the temple his father's house. Now the Jewish people, they would say, you, O Lord, are our father. Inasmuch as he created all people, right, all things, inasmuch as he brought the Jewish nation Israel into being. But it was more functional than familial. And so when Jesus identifies himself, identifies God as his father, it is important. Now why is it important? See, in this one sentence is wrapped up the entire summary of the good news Jesus brings. In this one sentence, you find the answer to all of that hungering that fills those great Christmas movies. You're in search of a purpose. You want a family into which to belong. You want a father. Jesus alone knows God as father in this personal way. And he alone comes to make his father known and to make God your father. Jesus, he speaks of his father's house in a personal way. The God whose presence dwells in the temple is Jesus' father, and he alone, the 12-year-old Jesus, can reveal him. Now, one only has to read uh, the other gospel accounts in the Bible to know that he's making this point. Throughout John, in John 10, he says that he and his father are one. John 5, that he does nothing of his own accord, only what his father is doing. John 8, he does what is pleasing to the father. Friends, what if you could know Jesus' father in the same way? 
What if his father could be your father? See, that's God's desire, that you would know him. You would be restored to him through the forgiveness only Jesus brings. That you too would do the things the father is doing. That you would be like Jesus. This is what's wrapped up in this one sentence, in this one short story of 12-year-old Jesus. Jesus has come, the incarnation of God in human form. He's come to make God your father. And so it is that Luke begins his gospel in the same way that John begins his. That through Jesus, through faith in him, by trusting him with your life, you have the right, you can become children of God. And this, it makes all the difference. Whatever romanticism you have for family, for love, for purpose, it all points to a deep desire for God. Regardless of your family of origin, whether you're married or single, parents or not, if you will let him, God will make you a part, a very important part of his family. The church is his family, and we need you. One of my greatest joys in life is actually born out of a place that might, some might consider a great loss or a great disappointment. I would have loved to have been a dad. But I didn't get married until much later in life. But still, God, through his church and my friends in it, God has given me the opportunity to be a dad figure, to love and care for some specific kids in a really beautiful way. In a way that fulfills, albeit not perfectly, that desire to be a parent. If true love has evaded you, you can find true, perfect, sacrificial love in the one, in the Father, who did not spare his own son for you. If you're frustrated by an unfulfilling career or a boring retirement, joining in Jesus' purpose of making God the Father known to the world is the most incredible purpose a person could ever have. And it is yours. See, our romantic tendencies are only tr truly fulfilled in a relationship with God the Father. So Blaise Pascal, he was a mathematician, a philosopher, a theologian. He wrote that these longings, desires, and hopes, that this infinite, infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite and immutable, that means unchangeable, object. In other words, by God himself. God alone fills the abysses, the voids of your life, because you were made that way. Now, I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but my favorite Christmas movie is the very awkward comedy Elf. <laughs> if you know it, I think you know it. Buddy the Elf is an orphan who's taken in by an elf at the North Pole. And finding out that he has a dad who lives in New York City, Buddy the Elf goes in search of the dad he never knew. Along the way, he finds love he didn't know he wanted. And in the end, he enters the father's 
publishing business. He enters the family business. He finds dad, he finds love, he's made a part of a family, and he finds purpose. I think every Christian should be a hopeless romantic because this is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus says that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And there's something here for everyone. If you don't know God as Father, you can. You can look to Jesus. You can ask Jesus. You can trust him, and he will make you part of God's family. And from there, every one of us, each and every one of us, needs the reminder that Jesus fulfills our deepest needs. And, in, and that life in him, it's an ongoing process of inviting him into the places of your life that are unfulfilled. If you have a little community, if you're feeling isolated, in God you are made part of a family. In the church you can have real community. And you may need to make the next step by stepping into that more. If you want to know true love, you can find it in his love for you. If you want meaningful, significant work, when God is your father and you're in his family, just like Buddy the Elf, you can be a part of the family business. Jesus shows you, he actually commands you, that if you are to be a part of his family, part of God's family, then you are to be a part of his work. It is an incredible invitation, and it is an incredible opportunity. And if you will invite Jesus into your life, if you will offer him those unfulfilled places, he will show you his father more clearly. He will come. And make his father your father. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, that through your son's death and resurrection, through faith in him, you have made a way for us to be a part of your family. We ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would fill the unfulfilled voids in our hearts with your perfect love and with your perfect purpose. And that you would equip and release us to be a part of your family business making you known. And it is in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.